everyone, and welcome to The Geek Rant, episode 245, We Choose to Go to the Moon, recorded July 17th, 2016, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the show where we get our geek on. My name is Mark, sometimes called the Sultan of the Soapbox, and I am your host, uh, just totally on blank. What do I say next? Oh, yeah. And joining me this week, as always, are your two stalwart co-hosts, Chris, the command line godfather, Neves, and Seth, the gooey kid, Anderson. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Mark, and everyone out there in internet land. I hope you had one heck and of a week. And forgive us as we continue to knock the rust off of our podcasting just, mechanism. You just heard me have a little mini stroke right there right there on the air, um, <laughs> on the on the waves. Yeah, But whatever. Mark's okay. On, on the show. I'm fine. But Mark's yeah. okay. Everyone out there on the internet, it's it's yeah. all right. It, it happens, happens more often than you know, because I sometimes edit it. Not often, but sometimes. Uh, so this uh, d- this will be released on July 20th, 2016, the anniversary of the day Neil Armstrong said the, the fateful words, uh, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, July 20th, 1969. That would make it the 37th anniversary, 47th anniversary do the math there yeah um not that and you know he's always claimed that he said one small step for a man and if you listen to the recording there's this blank spot long enough and it's just like his recorder didn't pick it up but he has always maintained that he said one small step for a man and uh in the uh the tom hanks we uh uh, the moon what's the show that they did it was a miniseries uh 13 episodes it was called wasn't it something it wasn't about the moon. the moon it was um well now i'm gonna have to google it tom hanks yeah moon documentary was called from the earth to the moon um and in that one when the character playing neil armstrong steps on the moon he does say one small step for a man um i i noticed that uh you know one of the 15 or 20 times that i've seen that um, <laughs> and commented uh, mentally to myself so, on it. So just I, I love that. It's it's uh, as as far as I can tell, it is the most accurate um, storytelling of of that thing on film. There there are probably books that are better, and certainly you could go read the whole transcript, and that's one hundred percent accurate. But in terms of things put on film, that thirteen hours is, uh, I think, the most complete documentation of that whole process that I've ever seen. And uh, it's really good with great people in it. Uh, so there we go. And it, also, before I get too far along, uh, it is also my middle child's birthday. Happy birthday, Amelia. She is uh, 12 when you're hearing that, hearing this. Actually, it could she could be well, 25 when you're hearing this. But on the day this is being released, she's turning 12. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's my thing. Yesterday we had her birthday party and because her, her birthday is wednesday right so it could go either way it was literally right in the middle of the week so we could have gone the weekend before the weekend after and so she decided on wednesday sure. afternoon i think i want to have my party saturday all right <laughs> so let's test this new web world we live in uh and uh and send phone uh emails and text invites and it worked out she had seven or eight little girls there uh that would not have flown when i was 12 because uh, you know we oh no everybody if they had a phone had one phone and no answering right. machine so you would have just had to sit there and call and let it ring and hope maybe you got them there's no way i could have gotten in contact with eight or nine people 
because uh, a couple of them couldn't make it because they were already had plans. But there was no way I could have gotten a hold of that many people in that short time in, in 1984, whenever it was. Right. Yeah, never going to happen. Just a, it's a different world we live in. Yeah, and, you know, well, luckily with us, our birthday fell during school, so there was always that you could, you know, I could take stuff to school and disseminate the information that way. That's true, yes, but the summer birthday doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, or the dead of winter's birthdays usually don't work either, by the way, up here in... Well, that's like. because everybody hibernates, and... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we, we, we want to kick off in the usual fashion and talk about movies, because uh, that has to do with geekery, actually totally does. Uh, movie geeks are the best geeks. And Seth uh, wants to tell you about a movie that I'm actually quite anxious to see, and I hope you don't ruin it for me. Go, Seth. Uh, Independence Day Resurgence. Yes, and my my review of that is, we waited 20 years for oh, that. Oh, no. No. Dude, I mean, okay, oh. it's sort of like... They gave this. It's like they decided ten days before this movie came out, we need to do a movie. So they hired Asylum, but with better special effects and actors. So it was, you know, it's set up perfectly to launch a series. Um, but I just so it was a made-for-TV movie being released in the theaters. It's what it sounds like you're saying. It would just. It just wasn't good. It was just um, okay. There was you. Ghostbusters was phenomenal. Ghostbusters 2 was okay, right? I, I I think you're being generous, but okay. Okay, well, it's... I'll, I'll agree it, with it, just okay. because. Uh, well, it was kind of the same thing for Independence Day and Independence Day Resurgence. It was, it was kind of more the same. You know, they pull the heartstrings. The problem is there's so many freaking people in it because you have most everybody from the old cast or explaining why everybody from the old cast isn't there, and then you've got to do all the new cast people, so there's no time to develop their characters before you get into the -the over-the-top battle scenes. That, um, As far as movie continuity, it was okay. They're just... It was... I was I was very let down. Uh, Now, this was the one movie I wanted to see this summer, uh, more so than most of the other action ones that came out. And so I don't know, but it just was, it felt even though they had 20 years to do the script, it felt rushed. Mm, That's unfortunate. Yes, it was very unfortunate. Um, And some of the same sins that, uh, that you just mentioned uh, go along with the movie. I watched just today, just hours ago, hot off the presses people. Uh, And that was uh, Batman versus Superman. I have not seen it. Um, I have not seen the theatrical version at all. I watched the uh, Ultimate Edition, which is uh, three hours and two minutes of of stuff. And uh, wow, That's yeah, a long and, and I know movie. that they cut out a lot of stuff from uh, the you know the theatrical release was two hours and a half, and, and a lot of people complained that it was a bit long in the tooth at two and a half hours. Um, but I can tell you that uh, of the three hours and two minutes. I probably would have cut about 30 minutes of it. Um, and it, it suffered from the opposite sin, Seth, of, of not giving time to develop characters. It spent too much time developing characters. Um, right. Because uh, you basically had a whole new Batman origin story all over again. Um, right. And, you know, a little sure. hint of a Wonder Woman origin story, not enough. She just kind of 
you know, they tease her a little bit, and then she shows up for that. This is not a spoiler. A, the movie's old, but also B, it was in the previews uh, where she shows up, and uh, Batman says, "Is he with? Is she with you?" And and Superman says, "I thought she was with you." Uh, that's kind of how the audience feels too. She just shows up. Oh, look! There's a woman with a shield in a sword. Yeah, that's cool. Now. Okay. However, right. she's a super badass Wonder Woman, so I that I appreciated that. Um, yes, and uh, I, I thought it was an okay movie. In fact, uh, you know, I, I expected to not like it after having heard you know such very poor reviews of it, but I really liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, on a scale of ten, it's a six and a half, seven. I mean, it's it gets a C. It's it was a fine way to spend a Sunday okay. afternoon. Um, I don't know that I'm going to go back and watch it over and over again. Uh, Doomsday, so wasted, so wasted. Definitely. One of the best villains you know ever uh, in the DC universe. Uh, totally wasted. Um, that makes me sad. And you know, that obviously they're trying to, to set up sequels, um, but they've kind of they hobbled it. You know, in in that uh, misery way, they put the blocks and the sledgehammer, and they hobbled any future sequ- uh, sequels. And to to say any more would be a spoiler, but. Yeah, I, I think they've really cut their own legs out from under them, uh, sequel-wise. Uh, but still, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, and I know this is heresy. I'm going to get hate mail. Go ahead and fire it up now. Get your Zcast app out and start commenting right now. Ben Affleck <laughs> is my favorite Batman of all time. He rocked <gasps> Batman. He was freaking awesome as Batman. Yeah. And I, I liked huh. it a little better than you. I would give it a C plus B minus. Um, there was some parts of it were Look incredibly long, but I, I liked it a little bit better than you did. Yeah. I think. Uh, so yeah, so I gave it a six and a half, seven. You'd give it a seven and a half or eight. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and uh, so it's a it's it's, it's a, a fine movie. Better. It's a, you know it's okay. It's just not it's not awesome. It's not terrible. Um, and I think. I, again, I didn't see the theatrical version, but the, I heard lots of things about story holes and confusing things. There, there wasn't any confusion. Everything flowed really nicely. So I think that editing probably ruined that when they were trying to cut things out. But there were, you know, um, it's it's a Zack Snyder thing. So there's lots of, uh, you know, weird flashbacks and flash forwards and dream sequences, all of which didn't add anything to the movie and could have been cut entirely. Um, hmm. And so it was essentially a Lex Luthor origin story and a Batman origin story and a hint at a Wonder Woman origin story while trying to be a Batman sequel. So you can see how that's going to be hard to pull off. Yeah, that would be tough. I can understand why they, it, it got the ratings it did. So maybe the version I should go watch is the super long Yeah, go do it. And the reason version. I bought that one, because um, you can get it on Google Play, you get the theatrical version and... The extended cut for nineteen dollars. So uh, I streamed it off of Google Play on the Roku. That's not bad. Uh, so yeah, for what you would pay for for a, a Blu-ray because it's ten eighty p for for less than what you'd pay pay for a Blu-ray actually, you get both of them. And I really think the studio did that because they know that the the extended release is so much better than the theatrical release, and they want to don't want to be remembered for the theatrical release. That's what I think probably happened. Um, it makes sense. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, the the thing I was most worried about was Ben Affleck as Batman, and he was really, really very good about it. And, and like I said, my favorite Batman. Yeah. Hmm. He was really he was great as Batman. I I was well, and I remember talking about that when I went and saw it. He yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, Christian Bell. All he did was talk with gravel in his mouth to be Batman, and of course, Michael Keaton. 
you know, he was Michael Keaton. And uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeremy Irons as as uh, Alfred was was an inspired casting. Uh, but I'll, I kept thinking every time he opened his mouth, Mufasa. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he he was great, and uh, and this was Alfred was way more than a butler uh, in this one. Uh, Alfred was uh, was the uh, the Morgan Freeman character, uh, really from the the uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the Christian, Christian Bale version. I was, I was trying to think yeah. of the director, uh, Snyder. The same guy? No, not the same guy. I don't know who the director was. Uh, Chris, what, what was his name? Uh, uh, anyway, doesn't matter. Nolan, Chris, Chris Nolan. Nolan. There we go. Yeah. So, uh, uh, anyway, there's my review. Batman versus Superman, the extended directors, the ultimate edition. They call um, uh, worth seeing, worth the twenty bucks. I did not feel okay. cheated for the twenty bucks, and I don't pay for anything. Yeah, so, <laughs> as you've said yeah. many a times, yeah, I won't pay for it, but I would like to see it. So. And I'm going to do a, a heavily um, edited version of an email from Topi, um, who is not an American. Uh, and I'm just going to summarize. He sent a very long ma- uh, email with a lot of personal stuff in it. Uh, but uh, I, I'm just going to summarize. He said, I wrote you guys uh, about a year ago about changing careers to IT and wanted to let you know how the years have been. I have to say it's been uh, a busy year. Uh, he's got some personal stuff, uh, things going on there. Um, he had some... You know, uh, not only family stuff, but uh, uh, personal like surgery stuff. Uh, but then he goes on to say, "I'm still working for the same company." He got a job. He moved out of a non-tech thing into a tech, uh, and he, he credits this show for giving him the courage to do that. He says, "I'm still working for the cool. same uh, for same company." Started out at the good old help desk at the start of the year and advanced to the coordinator of on-site support. And I really enjoy my pres- uh, new position. I've been learning Microsoft Server Administration. We won't hold that against you. Uh, due to the new role with the company, um, and it's a new world for me, but I really like uh, it's a really a lot of fun, and I'm learning new things. It was the right decision to make and to take the risk and jump on board IT train in my case. And thank you for being there and keep me uh, keep me thinking and interested in the career choice. Uh, my spouse also said that I seem happier and more confident. So, uh, Topi, Good. that that right there gives me. All I ever needed, <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, it would be nice if you went to Patreon and gave me some money. It would be nice if you used the elementopia.com/slash/amazon link when you buy stuff. Uh, but all of those things pale in comparison to that. To, to know that that in a small way, we literally changed a person's life. You did. You changed your life. We were just, you know, a little bit of of uh, grease on the wheel that made that happen. I'm super excited about that. Thank you for sharing that email. Amen. Way yes, I. I I love hearing that stuff. So if anyone else has something similar, send it our way. We want to. We, we we're looking for a little pat on the back. Yeah, it's it's nice to know that you matter. Um, you know, one of the things that I always said in my life is I don't ever want to make money. I don't ever just want to make money. I want to make a difference. Uh, and uh, you know, if you can make a difference and make money, that's a bonus. Uh, I haven't figured right. out how to make that happen yet, but at least you're letting me know that I'm making a difference, and I and I thank you for that. You guys uh, got anything you want to talk about at all, other than movies? I'm just glad I had something for the warm-up section. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, the only thing I had is to say that after last night's D&D session, I'm still very tired. All right. <laughs> uh, I, I'm running into something, and uh, you know, I, I've always been an enterprise IT guy, and the equipment you use in, in the enterprise is different than the home-grade equipment you're running. But you remember, uh, actually, I started to say a couple of years ago, 
a couple of weeks ago when we interviewed the Plex guy, because um, <laughs> we just replayed that one, one of the things he said is that it's often easier to connect out over the internet than it is to connect just locally. I'm finding that with some of my devices now. Um, I'm going through uh, like three gigabit switches, so two plugged into one. It's a, a, a an abbreviated star topology. And just going through hard-lined Ethernet switches, I'm finding devices that can't talk to each other. And I don't know why. I don't know what the... Maybe it's just the fact that I'm buying $20 switches uh, instead of, you know, $120 switches like I used to. But it's it's been an interesting experience as I moved into this house and I'm, and I'm, trying, I'm running wire. I'm doing things my way. Um, like my, you know, my TiVo and my, my uh, uh, Android box running the TiVo app have a hard time talking to each other, even though they are plugged into the same port i mean the same switch now they each of them goes to through a different switch to get there right so i've got a group of cluster of things here plugged into a switch cluster of things plugged in here uh, here plugged into a switch and those two switches are connected to a third switch so to me to my enterprise mind that's a hardline connection but what i'm finding is that devices yeah. are having a real hard time with that and so sometimes i actually have to turn on the wi-fi so that everybody connects to the same wi-fi access point so they can talk to each other do the configuration, and then I can go back to hardline. So I can I have to lose my gigabit connection and go down to 50 megabits at most just to configure things and then go back. And then sometimes they forget, hey, I can't find this thing that's on the same LAN as me. And so I've got to go back. So it's it's a weird thing. Anybody out there who can give me some, uh, some tips about that other than spend thousands of dollars on better equipment, uh, let me know because it's an interesting thing that I've, I've run against uh, just in the last few weeks. It is interesting. I wonder I, if it's a web bug that was put in there deliberately by one or the other. Like if they can't if they can't dial home, that won't work. Right. It, it, it some of the, some portion of the configuration has to come from or access their mothership in order to work correctly. But hmm. each of them can get to out to the internet. That that's the thing. Yeah, it's just right. internal. Um, hmm. So that's that's an oddity uh, that I thought too. You know, each of the things can connect to the internet and can connect to my LAN, and can I can force connections between them, but the automated stuff doesn't seem to be working. Um, hmm. Have you static IPs to see if that's an issue? I, like over the DHCP? I have not, but I can't. I mean, I, I my, again, my enterprise grade mind can't see why that would ever be an issue. An address is an address; it hasn't changed. So yeah, it's static. Uh, so I don't know. Because I know I was having issues with my Roku devices not talking to my Plex server when they were DHCP. Once I put them in a static IP from the from the DHCP server, uh, it, all the problems went away. I mean, do you have such a small subnet that they're changing? No, they're not. And they, they never did. But once I static them, the connection problem went away. And I don't understand why, but it did. Odd stuff. Very curious. Yeah, and I also, for speaking of home networks, how many times have you ran into a hardware issue where the the firmware, for whatever reason, is dead? Yeah, ever run into that, uh, Mark? Where, where the device was working on the wall, and then all of a sudden the next day it's just dead, and it acts like it was working? I, I have seen that nothing. happen a few times, but each time I caused it. So, no, I've never seen that other than flashing the wrong <laughs> BIOS or something stupid like that. Yeah, so I'm, yeah, I, I I'm down to one access point now in my house because the other one decided to 
give up the ghost. So like you did a, an automated still- update and the update broke it? No, no, because I have all that automated stuff turned off for the automatic updates. Um, it was just plugging right along one day. The next day, it started acting finicky, so I I went down and unplugged it, plugged it back in. You know, connectivity resumed with no problems. I come home the next day for or two two days later from a, a business trip, and half my house is down. I can't, you know, the kids can't talk to it. They have to be in the living room in order for that access point to talk to it and. So, pull it off the wall and re- move it around, and t- I take it out and move my other access point over, so it's it, it's more centralized, and no one has a problem now. But that one access point, just I can still touch it. I can still log into the web portal. I can still turn on and off things, doing all that stuff. But yeah, the access, the antennas are evidently stopped. It sounds like your radio burned out. Have you have you flashed it by any chance? You know, downloaded the thing and manually forced the. Um... Uh huh. Okay. I forced it. I, I forced it with the factory update, and then and that brought it back to life for a couple of more for another for another evening. Uh, the next evening, I it was down again, so I flashed it with DDWRT, brought it back up for another evening. And the next day, it was down. Yeah, again. that's clearly a hardware problem. Your your radio is burned yep. out. But if it's burned out, wouldn't it be down all the no. time? Not come back. For- no, I mean, heat and and use is failing it. It's at its fail point. It's not completely gone. Uh, but anytime you try to push some traffic through it, it overloads it. That that's a common, not oh. common. That happens with that type of circuitry. So that's what, especially low end circuitry, cheap stuff. It wasn't cheap though. It, you might not have paid a low price for it. That doesn't mean the components in it weren't cheap. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, it just blew my mind that you know the device that's the newest in the house is the, was the first one to go out. Actually, that doesn't surprise me at all. My older gear is is universally my best stuff. I mean, yeah. I, I can't think of in a case where that's not true. My older gear compared to the new gear is not as well is is better built and higher quality across the board. Yeah, because back then they didn't realize as much that if it breaks down, they'll buy more of it. Right. So you know, <laughs> and by back course, then we're talking about two thousand one. You know, ancient times. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's like three or four right. generations of people in management. And if you're talking tech companies, you could have as many as eighteen different CEOs between two thousand one yeah. and today. Yeah. See, all my problems that started when I threw out my old hubs and bought new switches. Uh, and I don't think it's the difference between switches and hubs. I think it's the difference between old and new. And, and I'm, I'm almost willing to bet money that if I throw my old metal blue box uh, uh, net gear back in line, all these problems will go away. Will go away. Is are you so you're jumping through how many switches? Like three. Yeah, the, the, the center, the, a center one. Right. And then- so the farthest run that anybody could possibly ever do is three hops. Uh, but most things, it's one to two hops. Okay. Have you thought about just putting a bigger, just a bigger ported switch? No, in? it's not about that. It's it's where where things are located. And you know, I've got stuff upstairs. I've got stuff okay. downstairs. I've got stuff in the basement. I've got three levels to the house. Sure. Each one of them has to okay. be connected to the, its own stuff. Yeah. Okay. So you have a central switch, and everything's coming up to its floor switch, and then that goes out to the device, right. basically. Yes. Okay. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't. It doesn't make a lick of sense at all. It, it, it it's wired. Wired yeah. is wired is wired. So, 
Have you any tra- any trace route or? Well, I mean, no, all that stuff. Weird? Yeah, all that stuff is fine uh, because it's you know it's uh, there is no route. You trace route. It says oh one hop because it's not it's not IP three. It's IP two. I mean, it's not layer three. It's layer two. It's all Ethernet. So that doesn't oh, even help. Yeah, it doesn't help at all either. Yeah. All right, I, we have spent way too much time on that already. Uh, so, um, all right, I was going to say bust out the wire shark. <laughs> well, you know, that, I, that's not a bad that's idea. Where it, um, and that's the next step I would put, but in my opinion. The thing with Wireshark, the reason that won't work as well is because they're switches. I'd have to right. I'd have to go in and put it in promiscuous mode, and right. then I've changed the parameters, so I'm not really testing the thing. Yeah, that's true. Or you could just poor man it and use a hub. Well, but I again, once hub. anytime you change the variables, you're not testing what you wanted to test. Sure. Right, but yeah, I mean, you could put the hub right, you know, not replace it, but add it to it. So anyway, I don't know. Yeah. But so for those of you who say this show doesn't get technical enough, this last 20 minutes has been for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is it is I think we need to do, guys. I think we need to go back and do a basic uh networking show a, a primer show uh we have way back when we did a few th- things like that but we're talking you know five years ago now we've got a whole different audience whole new group of people i think we need to do that so that people understand what we're talking about when i say layer three uh, and when we say a star typography and and that sort of stuff because we just used a whole bunch of words there that i can imagine a, a good percentage of our audience has never heard us use before it can't hurt so that uh to be continued uh maybe maybe we need to have another theme month like uh, Network November? Oh, that would be Ooh. a good idea. All right. That, that both of, we, them, we, we, both we, of them sparked up a little bit about that. Well, no, I started thinking, well, what, what can we do with A for Aka? <laughs> <laughs> and that went Apple somewhere. Talk? <laughs> no, uh, I yes. was thinking something else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Talk about Aka. some of the, the, mo- the biggest jerks in history? Yes. Yeah. Um, so that, that's what's... Remind us of people, internet, um, around the end of October that we talked about doing a network November, right? And so we could do, you know, the history of, of you know, all the way, go, go back to like Token Ring and even before that, the, the imps and that wow. sort of stuff. Uh, we could do one show of that. We could do uh, uh, tips for networking your home. So yeah, I, I like it. There's four shows worth of stuff there for network November. This is, uh, this is groundbreaking material right here. You're hearing us program the show. Live. Yeah, I was going to say, this, this is live programming right yes. now. Good stuff. Um, and uh, if you're a we're, network we're, we're, admin and you want to come in and be featured, like we had a feature for, for a guest for Financial February, that would be awesome. Come do that. If you work for you know Cisco, or even if you're just certified and, and you want to come drop some knowledge on us, that'd be great. Uh, I'd love to have somebody who works for you know Netgear or, or uh, uh, D-Link or some of those guys that make the real enterprise uh, or home-grade stuff. Because we're always brash it, bashing your stuff. Come defend it, if you dare. <laughs> Actually, if you uh, dare, the, those those blue router boxes or blue hub boxes are just they're bulletproof. I mean, I, I think maybe literally. I think they could stop a small caliber. Uh, the problem is that they just don't keep up with the tech. Now they're still ten one hundred hubs instead of gigabit switches. Yep. I have a ten by one hundred blue Netgear, um, not hub but switch. That is my tried and true. When everything else isn't working, go back to that one. Yeah, that's the known good. I'll, I'll never, I'll never get rid of it because I know that that one switch, 
it's been tossed, it's been dropped, it's been it fell out of a moving car, and the thing still works. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it'll best, it'll yeah. it'll live in infinity. Or, one of the best investments I ever did was uh, Microsoft did a land party kit for their. This is the original Xbox. It was a I remember hub and four network cables. And the thing is, they were selling those for ten dollars when hubs sold for twenty. And uh, and so I bought one, and I w- where I worked, we were like, "How are we going to get?" You know, we need. I was like, "Dude, I bought this thing at GameStop for ten bucks." And so he had me call, and the local GameStop had one. So I went down to GameStop and bought one for the company. But you know, and I need to find it because I loved that hub. It came in. There were so many times where I was at work, and I needed to find out why a computer was acting up. I would unplug the cable from the computer plug it into that hub plug one into the computer and another one into the thing running wireshark and get me some diagnostic yeah. material i i'm almost ashamed to admit this but we're among friends right this is the geek rant <laughs> i yep. carry in my truck a d-link hub and four patch cables all the time it's all it's in the little console under the seat it's always there <laughs> Dude, that's I, I, I would cred right there <laughs> yeah I, I would I would rip you for that, but I have an eight port switch in my work. Vehicle, yeah, it's my so. go bag. It's always there. You <laughs> never know when you're going to need it. Uh, and That's and I've got my doctor's bag. I've got enough spare access points and stuff. I need to just kind of throw some of those in. It's my born. It's the geek go bag. Uh, there we go. Geek go bag. All right. It goes with me everywhere I go. So let's talk about space. Um, in in the uh, the coming up on the forty seventh, because that's not a number that means anything at all. Uh, anniversary. Um, it just got me to thinking. You know, we we're dabbling around in low orbit. It's it's hard to even call it space. I I know the guys who are risking their lives every time they go up there would would cringe when I say it's hard to call it space because yeah you're in a hard vacuum and microgravity but still it's it's definitely not deep space I mean we, we're we're dinking around in low Earth orbit um, and we're sending robots to Mars that's the state of not American but human space exploration at this point dinking yep. around in low Earth orbit and sending robots to Mars. Um, and I, I'm, re- That's I'm re- the story of fiction not too long ago. Yeah, but you know Kennedy, uh, the the we choose to go to the moon speech that he gave at Rice University. He laid out a grand vision for his country. Now they were scared into it. Uh, the Russians had launched Sputnik, um, and and the basically the American security forces said if they can put a basketball sized satellite into space, what's to stop them from putting a nuke into space? Uh, and so, you know, the fact that we're having this conversation over Skype and you're going to listen to it over RSS is directly, you owe that to Sputnik um, because <laughs> the the government said, you know, uh, all our stuff right now is in Washington, D.C. or in the Virginia area, Langley, that area. Uh, we need to decentralize this stuff because decentralized means bomb-proof. So if we drop a bomb, things need to not be in the same place. And that's where the Internet came from. Uh, and then also out of that came space exploration. And we've talked before about all the stuff that came from your, if you've got a dust buster, uh, it came from, from space exploration. Uh, you know, all of us flying quadcopters around right now for fun came from, uh, the space race. Uh, you know, uh, while Velcro, I have some in my hand was not invented, uh, by, for the space industry. They, they really sort of put it on the map. Um, 
and we're not seeing that kind of development right now that we we need do we i i started to say we need i'm asking the question do we need a ballsy president to put a goal out there and say we've got eight years to do something that we don't even have the technology to think about doing yet was that good for the country or did we spend billions of dollars and get a bunch of rocks seth you first okay i think you can't have the ballsy president unless there is a reason to be ballsy you know jfk had the russian sputnik and so he was able to cast a vision and people were able to latch hold of that because there was a reason for it you know and of course his speech you know we're going to go to the moon because it's there not because it's easy but because it's hard and you know and he goes on from there awesome awesome speech but um the fact is the sputnik scare gave a seedbed for that um, speech to land in. The problem is, you know, there isn't a competitor. I mean, you could say that we're about to be lapped by the Chinese in all matters technical, um, but for whatever reason, we're too busy looking at stupid cat videos on Facebook to care. So, um, I don't know. We need something to kick us in the pants. You know, necessity is the mother of invention. The problem is nothing's necessary anymore because everything's good enough. Chris, your thoughts? Uh, I'm going to basically echo Seth on that. Uh, We need, I I think it'd be, we need a ballsy president to put that premise forward. But we also need not just the ballsy president, but we need a reason to do it, you know, Sputnik gave us a reason. Why can't an American president, and and forgive us Europeans and and Russians and and New Zealanders for being chauvinistic, by the way. Chauvinist means uh, one who is uh, overly uh, uh, fond of his own country, and the male chauvinism term, that was a bastardization of that term that came out in the 70s, so little grammar lesson there. Forgive us for being chauvinistic for a little bit, but uh, why can't an American president make a speech that say we need to do something to show the world that americans can still do hard things would, would well, is we, that not we, does that not speak to the american culture anymore or do we just no do, do we just say well we don't want to do hard things because they're hard chris that's i wouldn't say that's kind of the place where we are anymore um we we've stopped doing things because they're hard we've just done things because we were scared or a knee-jerk reaction because it's for the children you know that type of idea um but is that seth is that grit that american determination is it gone is that whole ethos just a thing of the past while individually it does live and carry on today has a societal culture yes it is who are the tough male action stars of the first decade and a half of 2000 the same tough male action star from the 70s and 80s you know it's still it's still stallone and schwarzenegger and stuff and the other now all the tough action stars are british or australian they're not american anymore because you know we're too busy wearing man buns and being (laughs) metrosexual and playing around on facebook and trying to catch pokemon by wandering into traffic because we're too stupid to look and see if anybody's coming first so um unfortunately that ethos is gone has a society but there are individuals who still 
hasn't been crushed out of them yet. But wouldn't it take, I mean, what would it take to bring it back? Do we have to be scared to get it back? Or can we? Is it gone? Seth? It is gone, but not forgotten. You know, and so, and I think we do have to be scared. I, you know, I think so, because otherwise we get too confident and full of ourselves to do anything about it. Um, but a little bit of fear sometimes is, you know, fear, not being overcome with fear doesn't mean you don't feel the emotion of fear. It means you you feel the fear, but then you take action and don't let it paralyze you. Unfortunately, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Well. I don't. I don't want to turn this into uh, politicalization 101, but it seems like we're missing something. There's nothing to challenge us, and I don't know that there's nothing to challenge us, but we perceive there's nothing to challenge us, and so why bother? Mm-hmm. Every we're good enough now. We'll hide, we'll outsource that to somebody else and let them do it for us. Chris, your That's, thoughts? I think the the last his last sentence was probably the biggest thing is. Where there is no money left in doing it, we'll outsource it to somebody else. That's just what I, I mean. That's that's what it feels like anymore. You don't, fee, you know, if someone says, "Oh, that's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard." It's not. Let me get my fingers into it. Let's go. It's well. Let's go hire somebody else to take care of this for us. I I can't remember who said it. I think it was Churchill. Uh, but somebody said what what the world needs is a nice friendly war, uh, and uh, it might have been an American. It was during the time of the the Great Depression, and and whoever wrote that, um, I, I'm, I'm blanking on who it was. Somebody will write in and tell me uh, was making the point that nothing nothing encourages uh, industry like war, uh, and you know if uh, and it's right. I mean, America did not recover from the Great Depression until the late '80s. We, uh, you know, we got into the war and the war stalled off the effects of it for about a generation. Uh, but we didn't pull ourselves up out of it for, you know, 40 years after that. It was the war that really, well, really broke us out of it because we had to spend money. We had to make money. We had to literally make money, generate, uh, money. Uh, we had to put people to work and a whole, a whole generation. That was, that's why it's called the great war. The whole generation sacrificed and found their grit um Mm -hmm. and and i i worry as an american again pardon my chauvinism that but also as a citizen of the world that there's not a lot of grit in the world anymore um and 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 i hate to think that it takes a war to get there i i would like to be able to say doing things because they are hard um you know kennedy is not my favorite president at all but that was one of the best uh, speeches given by any president. We choose to do these things not because they are easy, because they are hard, and because we must um, show the world uh, that we can do it. That that was a, a definitely went off into the paraphrase land there. Um, and I would love for any leader of any country, frankly, uh, uh, to stand up. You know, Vladimir Putin, you know, is a darn near dictator status there. I would like him to stand up and say, we're going to do these things because they're hard and show the world how great Russia is again. Uh, because that would encourage other countries to say, nah, we're good. And mm-hmm. and that childhood uh, playground kicking uh, of the sand would actually be incredibly beneficial for humanity. Maybe the problem is that we're all too friendly with one another. Well, I mean, one, we're politically correct. But two, the American mindset is let's launch a startup, do a concept, 
and then cash out. So we don't want to take something through. We want to sell out and make our money. Nobody's in and, it for the long haul anymore. Yeah. Yep. So they're all you know, in it for that. That. Go ahead. Yeah, it, I was going to say that's not all bad. You know, because, I mean, there's nothing wrong with if you can get your money to take it so you can go do something else. But when that's, when that's the only thing, then that yeah. is bad. I, I read a – listened to a podcast, read a survey, uh, saw it on the box of a uh, back of a box of cereal. I don't remember uh, where it came from. But there was a study that was done about uh, exhaustion. And they took uh, a- athletic people – and they told them, here's what's going to happen. You're going to pedal on this stationary bike as fast as you can pedal for 30 seconds. Then you're going to go at whatever pace you feel comfortable until you are completely exhausted, cannot go any farther. And then you're going to go as fast as you can go for 30 seconds. And they did it a bicycle. They did it run. And, the, and they told them they were measuring the fatigue time. What they were really measuring was the last 30 seconds. And the fact that 100% of the people, when they said they were completely exhausted and couldn't go any further, had 30 seconds more in them, showed them that they weren't exhausted. If you were exhausted, you wouldn't yeah. be able to go 30 seconds. But it was a mindset, and, and, and it was about the fact that um, it's not about fatigue, it's not about exhaustion, it's about being willing to endure suffering. Uh, and the grit is the word I'm using for that. Uh, the difference between people who finish marathons and people who quit is is not physical it's mental and it's at some point they say i don't want to endure this suffering anymore i'm going to stop and the people who don't say i'm going to keep enduring the suffering until i cross the finish line uh, and i think that that and i'm including myself in this um there are generations of, of humans on the planet today not just americans who don't know how to push through suffering who don't they don't have any grit they don't have any ability to to say just 30 seconds more, no matter how much. I'm going to endure the suffering. We're unwilling as a, as a race to endure suffering. Uh, and I know that there are people who are, who are doing that right now, and, and, and I'm being so uh, closed-minded when I, when I, you know, there, there are poor people all over the world who are suffering every day. But, you know, it's different when you're, you know, an African warlord child um, and you're, you're being made to do it and when you choose to do it. And, and I, 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 they're just not people choosing to suffer, except, you know, marathon runners. They're kind of their only people left in the world, uh, athletes, not just marathon runners. You know, every, it's the, the Olympics this summer. All of those people are choosing to suffer, and they're choosing to continue going in spite of the suffering. And I know this started out about the space race, but I, I think the two are, are tied together. That the reason we're lobbing robots into space and piddling around in low Earth orbits is because they're safe. And there's minimal suffering involved. And we as a race, as a race of humans, are unwilling to suffer. And can you imagine what would happen today in America? Maybe not so much in another country, but imagine in America if somebody went on a mission to Mars and something happened on the spacecraft and they died. I mean, imagine the lawsuits that would Mm -hmm. come. 
just because, I mean, this person volunteers that, dude, I, I will probably die, but I think it's worth it. I'm going up. Well, some family, some lawyer is going to say, hey, your kin died. I can get you some money or I can at yeah. least get me some money out of it and maybe get you some too. And so who wants to take that? What company wants to shoulder the risk of not only multi-billions of dollars of investment, but multi-billions of dollars in potential lawsuits if anything goes wrong? I mean, how sad is that? Well, you know, the, the Shakespeare line, kill all the lawyers, uh, comes out of, <laughs> this is not a new thing. That's from the 15th century. Um, yeah, right. It's not a new thing for an entire class of society to to prey on, on the sufferings of another. Um, so let me just pose this question based, you know, all the conversation we've just had. Uh, I'm, not, I'm even going to take America out of it. Should humanity, thinking as a single single race... And by the way, there's no such thing as the black race or the white race or the Hispanic race. Race, look up the definition of it. There is the human race. There are no other races. Okay. Um, having said that, should the race go back to the moon? Chris, yes or no, defend your answer. I think we should do more than the moon. I think we should go farther. We've been to the moon already. We need to go further than that. Uh, we need to explore the galaxy with not just robots, but actual human hands and feet and eyes and everything else um let's make a mission to mars and actually put some boots on the ground see what's actually there you know is there a creepy space monster hanging on the backside of mars that we don't know about you know okay so let me play devil's advocate there that's really hard as it stands in 2016 we don't have the technology to keep somebody alive that long in space so The, the, the radiation would kill them uh, that's hard and expensive. And what do you get in return for sending people, you know, on what's probably a death trip to Mars? What's the benefit of it? To prove that we can do it, we we've been told we've been at this this game of we don't want to we we want to explore we want to explore, but no one's willing no one's willing to put forth the effort to give us the tools to explore. Let's do it, and if not Mars, then maybe we should look at more internal and look at exploring something that's a little easier than if mars is too difficult for you mark let's go to the bottom of the ocean let's put people that let's find a way to make a way let's find a way to put people on the bottom of the ocean floor in the deepest darkest trenches and see what's there we've never done it we've sent bots down but we have you never sent a human diver down to the bottom of the depths of the ocean all right seth should we go to the moon Yes or no, defend your answer. Yes, we should go to the moon, and we shouldn't stop there this time. We need to go beyond the moon because it is there and because it is hard. If you do not have a goal, and you know, if, you're, if your goal in life is to walk from your chair to the refrigerator and back and do nothing else, your life sucks. Um, but if there isn't something and... <laughs> You know, I need to, I need a mirror right here. So I'm looking at me. If there isn't something you can't do that you're looking forward to do, you're never going to get any better. Do you want the promotion at work that requires a new skill? You need to do something you currently can't do in order to get that job. Do we want, do we have the technology now to go to Mars and come back alive? No, but we have the technology to have that technology in less than 10 years. 
So the fact that we don't have it, I mean, Shuey, if the fact that we don't have it, we would never have wheels, we would never have automobiles, there would not be internal combustion, there would not be flight, there would not be computers, because at some point in our history, we didn't have them. And not only did we not have them, we didn't have the technology to have them. But now we do. And we have a very easy life because people wanted something they didn't have. The problem is we're far too content with the minutia of daily life. And so we're not challenged. And so consequently, we don't do anything. We, so we are, wouldn't it, wouldn't we, it be we better? Fat, we are the fat blobs from Ollie. Just not the fat blobs yet. What, wouldn't it be better to Speak spend the, the trillions of dollars... Um, that we could spend in developing technology and sending one or two explorers to space, wouldn't we be better doing the hard thing of feeding Africa? Why, why is that a less noble goal than going to the moon, Seth? I'm not saying it's a less noble goal, and I'm not saying we shouldn't feed Africa. But we can't do but both, can we? Why can't we? Ah, there we, we go, because it's hard. We can't do yeah, both well, because it's hard. You know, I mean, unfortunately, the reason that there is a lot of suffering has more to do with political factors than with any technological limitation. Good. That's that's and, the statement I was badgering you to make. Um, a lot of the problem, the reason we can't feed Africa is not that we don't have the technology, but but the politics and the political will. And when you go to the Mar, go to the moon, or go to Mars, nobody owns those yet. So you don't have to ask permission. You don't have to answer the to the EPA about what you do to the moon. At least not yet. <laughs> yet is the key word there. Yeah. So uh, I, I, that's why I'm, I'm going to let you talk, Seth. But that's why I'm going to answer with a question myself. Yes, we should go to the moon and stay there. Permanent bases on the moon. Because we're going to have to figure, if we're going to be a spacefaring species, we're going to have to figure out how to live other places than the Earth. And we're going to have to figure out how to to make, you know, to grow seaweed in tanks and people are going to have to learn to live out on algae for generations it was and the moon is a logical place to start because it's we can get there in 10 days or so um and we can you know if you get to the point where you're running regular shuttles back and forth it becomes a fairly uh, uh, a safe place and that you can get back quickly if something goes wrong it takes a while to get there it takes you know decades but i think that 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 the American species, the, excuse me, the human species, if not the American country, needs to set their sight on permanent moon bases. Um, because we could learn a lot about how to exist out in space and be in very near space. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's what I think. Uh, and then Mars, uh, right now, I don't think there's any benefit to Mars. Uh, not to say that there won't be benefit to Mars, but I think right now we're just not there yet. Mars is the the unicycle when we're we still don't know how to ride a, ride a tricycle. We need to get you know we need to figure out how to how pedals work, and and we need to do that in our own orbit. Uh, and you know if we've we've got an overpopulation problem, the the the, the certain population uh, percentage of our our uh, population seems to think that. I personally don't think I've I've been to Midland, Texas. I know that we have lots of land. It's just not where people want to be. Uh, right. But let's say that that I believe the the people who say that we're running into a real overpopulation problem. There's lots of space out on on the on the moon. One sixth of the entire mass of the of the Earth. Lots of room out there. You know, there's no water and there's no atmosphere. So, so there's some problems we got to overcome. Uh, but I, that's what I think we need to be. 
All right, Seth, if I haven't totally caused you to lose your train of thought, what were you going to say? No, I think one of the things is having a dream bigger than yourself. One, it kind of helps to induce cooperation because I don't have the resources to get to the moon on my own. It's going to take other people cooperating with me to do it. So that is one way to help unite people. Um, you know, and two, you know, if, if you don't like how we're tearing up the planet, pulling resources out of it, we'll, let, we'll go tear up some asteroids, pull resources out of them so we don't have to do anything to the planet anymore. Um, you know, th- there's, there's tons of things that we can do in space um, that would make it beneficial, I think. And, you know, so you could look at using today's technology with today's dollars. It's not cost effective to mine asteroids maybe but you know there was a time where it wasn't cost effective for one person to own 10 computers either but has more and more people use them and we refine them then all of a sudden it's easy for you to own 10 computers probably most people in america own 10 or more um they just don't think of them as computers they think of them as, as dvd players yeah or you know watches or you know some of the clocks and radios and stuff they're awful you know and the telephones so you know yay in today's dollars it's it's incomprehensible but today's dollars make tomorrow's dollars affordable there you go all right um let's let's go let's get personal chris if i told you that we would go to mars uh by the end of 2050 okay but it would take but it would take a personal income tax of 10 percent for every american would you pay 10% tax to go to the Mar- go to Mars? What's the guarantee that that 10% will go to that fund to go to Mars? I, let's not let's not go that okay. route. All right. I'm saying are you personally willing to give up 10% of your income to go to Mars? 10% of my income for another human, for a, not you, yeah, for cuz you're too old, right. you know, honestly, you'd never make it. Well, gee, thanks, Mark. I I love you too. No, it's just I true. Know. It just takes that long. <laughs> um would I donate ten percent of my income to a Mars uh, mission? Yes, yes, I would. Would you Would you vote for a ten percent tax to go to, to earmarked for Mars mission? Yes, I just said I would. Yes, yes, okay. I would. I'm staring well, at the camera. You, you said in yes. terms of donate. I'm. I'm. That's a well, very different thing. A donation. Okay. If I, you don't do it, somebody says shame on you. A tax. If you don't do it, you go to jail. Okay. I, I meant that as uh, would it, I was looking at it more as a I'm volunteering to do this. So yes, it's, okay. it's a donation in my eyes. Yeah, I would. Seth, same question to it. you. I wouldn't do ten percent. Trying to think of what number I would do, but to me, I mean, ten percent is. I mean, of course, for me now, ten percent is super easy <laughs> because it's really ten percent of nothing. But I could not afford. I mean, obviously, I would have to, but. Taking away ten percent more of my income is not a set. It, that's a sacrifice I wouldn't want to make. Okay, so I think it, a lower percentage, yes, but I don't know how. Low. I would say that uh, it'd be easier to sell a five percent because five percent is lower, and you could originally pitch the ten percent and then come back, you know, months later saying, you know, after we redid the numbers, five percent would work to get us to the to Mars. The populace of of the of the United States will say would be more apt to approve that change than anything else because they see it as a savings. Okay. So now let me go 
I'm, I'm, I'm weaving the knot a little tighter. Uh, we're going to fly an international mission to Mars, comprised of Chinese and Russian and Indian and uh, European and American people. But only Americans are going to pay for it to the tune of a 5% tax increase. Are you still for it, Chris? Is this just because, or is there a reason? Uh, because everybody, nobody else is willing to. The American president says, we're going to do it. Nobody else and, wants to. And no one else is wanting to put, put the bill? I would say, we, yeah, let's yeah. still do it, because I want to see, I would love to see what would happen once we made it to Mars. All right. Seth, same question. Bleep no. Yeah. Okay. Tell me why. Well, because I'm sick and tired of uh, the American taxpayer paying for stuff. Okay. So, um, you know, no. But, but that, So th- just, that's the reason I phrased it in those terms, because, uh, you know, that's kind of what we're asking for. When, when the Americans decided to go to the moon, um, they said, we're, we're going. We're going to do it. We're going to do it before the Russians. Um, and nobody... Uh, I'm gonna, not going to say nobody counted the cost, but overall, as a society, uh, there there wasn't cost counting. There was excitement about it, uh, and you could say it's a, it was a more naive time. We'd been fooled fewer times, whatever. Um, the the fact is, the Americans did it, and the Americans and the reason the Russians didn't is they ran out of money before they ran out of will. Yep. Um, and so now we're an international space station, and it's all about international. Um, but we all know that uh, there are only a couple of countries that pay the bills for the International Space Station. Uh, so I just wondered if we were if we were honest about it and said Americans are going to pay for it for the goal for the good of humanity. Are you willing to to do it? And Seth Seth was uh, was very much against it. And my point of, of contriving that whole thing is that's the reason we don't do hard things because we let divisions sneak in and we let other things be more important. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I, I'm not opposed to Americans paying more because we're a richer country, but as far as something other of that scale where it would really, I mean, I don't know if it, it would take the world. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be for, you know, one group of people doing, I, well, you know, I mean, of course, you know, it's easy when it's other people's money say, right. Hey, if somebody, you know, but when it comes to my money, no, I wouldn't, yeah. I would not be in favor of it. I, I would be in favor if we were paying more than other people. Okay. I'm, that's fine right. with me. But if we're the only ones contributing, then bleep, no. And for those of you who failed your high school economics class or you're a liberal and you're listening, and you're thinking, well, just make the government pay for it. Where do you think the government's money come from? Comes from? This, the government has nothing in any country, all right? So let's go with a, a flat-out monarchy where, the, by divine right, the entire continent belongs to the king. Because he said so. Right. Right? And, and, and so in that case, it's not taxes. It's giving the king what he already owns. Um, but the, in reality, you're the guy who plowed the fields. You're the guy who, who brought home the bacon. Uh, mm-hmm. And the king is taking it from you. Um, we, you know, we here in America, we we don't like that notion very much. Uh, but there, there, there's a growing percentage of our people who just think that the government is is going to pay for everything. Well, guess what? Use the government. Yep. <laughs> the money, every bit of the money that the government has, comes from the citizens of the U.S. So when you talk about these big things, and I agree that 
um, to do it the way we did it uh, in the 1970s, uh, 60s and 70s, uh, is can only be done by government. But to do it the way SpaceX and the way other guys are doing it, they don't need governments. There are people going to space right now. They're, they're small, they're onesie-twosies, they're, they're one-shots. Uh, but right now, the Americans, for example, have no space program. We bum rides with either the Russians or with SpaceX yep. when we need to go up there. Which is crap. Um, and so it's, it's being done, it's being done privatized, and it's being done cheaper because it's privatized. Well... You know, it's like whenever the uh, Trans-Pacific Cable was laid, it was literally too big a job for any corporation in America to do. So several corporations got together and created a giant corporation for the purpose of doing that. So it would take something like that happening for it to not be a government involvement because you know unless apple was willing to say okay all of the billions of dollars that we're holding on to we're going to dump that in it short of that there's no one company that could afford and even then i don't know if that would be yeah, enough. you're an order of magnitude off yeah. i think i think we yeah. need trillions to, or two hundreds of trillions at this yeah. point but so it would take a conglom a conglomeration of companies and you know the the thing is you would have a company like Google which is in effect an advertising company uh joining you know with these other you know uh, GM is going are, are they going to make the engine uh uh Lockheed Martin you know it's going to take it would take a huge consortium of private and public entities in order to get to another planet you know maybe not to get to the moon but to get to another planet i i don't even think a nation could do it um which is why it would have to be and still be a it nation. would have to be in there would ha i would in my opinion it would have to be something that is causing great fear along the planet that would be the only way that the whole world would can, can would mash our stuff together to make it work yeah, I mean, if, if astronomers, uh, astronomers next week discover a planet-killer asteroid that is 100% guaranteed to hit the Earth in seven years, we've seen it, it's too big to move, there's just no choice, we got to get off the planet. we got seven years to do it. Uh, we could do it, because OSHA wouldn't have a voice, and the EPA wouldn't matter, and unions would, would be told to go suck a lemon, and the work would be done because it had to yep. be done. But we're back to the initial principle. You got to be scared. Apparently, humans, humanity, has to be scared to actually do anything useful. Well, that's just that's the way the human nature at this point is working. Um, we don't have any other any other response to something besides fear. Um, however much I hate that, it's the way it is. Um, Yeah, because if you're not afraid, it's like, okay, I'll work and I'll put in my eight hours doing that. But if it's like, if this doesn't get billed, I'm dead in eight years. All of a sudden, your eight hours comes, uh, you know, you get a little bit more work done. It, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a little exactly. less potent when you're saying eight hours versus eight years and I'm dead. Hmm. You know, and that's... Uh, right, and... Go ahead. And, and we, would, we would make smarter decisions like, you know, I'm not going to go. I'm going to send my kids, yep. you know, because I, I'm done in terms of my usefulness to the species. It's over. I have procreated. I have I have worked. Uh, you know, I'm 44 years old. I, I've only got 20 or 30 years in me 
uh, you know, at the best case, uh, it, you put me in space with radiation and all that, probably 15 years. So we're going to send our kids and, and, you know, and not the, the old farts. Um, so things, things change when you bring in like a planet killer. But now we're totally into sci-fi. But maybe going to Mars is every bit as sci-fi as, you know, the planet being destroyed by a planet killing asteroid. Maybe, maybe the reality is that it, 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 this is never going to happen. It's only the realm of sci-fi. Well, I think eventually it would happen. You know, eventually there's going to be some, and this may be 200 years from now, there'll be some a major event that will say, this is the end of the human race if we don't find something to fix it. Well, honestly, and, and maybe we'll do another show about this some. The, the, the problem, the, the single problem that makes all of these other problems go away is energy. Yeah. Um, and right now, energy is expensive and difficult to produce. And if we could find a new, you know, get that whole cold fusion thing working... Uh, why is it expensive to go to uh, go to the moon? Because it's hard to get out of the gravity well, and it costs a lot of energy. Why is it expensive to desalinate water? Because it takes a lot of energy. You know, if we could have that one breakthrough, sure, day trips to Mars might be a thing. Um, because you know, the physics of it, the physics tells us that there's a way to do that. But the physics also tells us that it takes more energy than our sun has ever produced in its entire lifetime to to warp space in that way. Uh, and also, the physics tells us that we'd probably all die, but that's a different story. Uh, so, if we really wanted to focus on something, instead of going to the moon, maybe energy is where it is. Is Should that be the moonshot of, you know, the, the 20 teens, or the 2020s? We're already, we're, the 20 teens are over. Um, Seth, what do you think of that? Should that be the new moonshot? Um, I don't... I mean, yay, energy, yay, we make it better, woohoo, party down. You know, that doesn't have the emphasis, or the impetus, I think, to push forward uh, as much as we need this energy to do something. Um, so, I, you know, but then again, how long was going to the moon just in the realm of science fiction? Um, and That's a good I point. Use, I used to have the links, and I, I wish I still had this story, but I had it printed out. And so there's a good chance it could exist somewhere in my room still. But, you know, there were medical journals that provided scientific evidence why the human body was incapable of running a mile in less than four minutes. Right. That was, a sci that was science fiction. Well, uh, it, it was, you know, and to not go down a totally wrong road there, it was also... Uh, proven science that the the black genome was inferior to the white genome you know what right. what we have known has been wrong for a very long time many many times over right so just because it's the realm of science fiction doesn't mean it will always be the realm of science fiction was the uh, was the point i was making right. to counter your you know just because i mean yes mars is science fiction you know mining the asteroids science fiction uh today so if not but, space Let's think again. What, where could the next great we choose go to, to to go to the moon thing be? If not the moon, where do you see that's ripe for the hard thing that is for the benefit of humanity, Chris? Uh, mastering our solar system. Okay, so you're you're sticking, with, sticking space. with space because of the simple fact that our planet is a finite resource. We need to find other ways to if not harvest other energies, 
we need we may we might need to populate Mars because we run out of space here. We you know that 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 whole principle that it once we can master our solar system, there is no there is nothing else that we need to worry about at least for the human race idea. Good. Seth, what do you think? I mean, you you could make a case that going to the bottom of the ocean, um, you know, I think we have the technology today to where we could build cities underwater, you know, or do we have the technology to build a dome that could withstand, you know, and buildings that could withstand, uh, but having a city underwater, having floating mm-hmm. cities, mastering, the, we don't master the ocean yet. We use it, but we haven't mastered it. You know, you could have floating cities, floating gardens, floating electric farms and cities built under the sea. And, you know, oh, that's weird today, but, you know, imagine a city of a million people uh, on the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, all of a sudden, I don't know. And that's that's a what if. There's my answer to your what if question. Yeah, and, and I think the fact that we don't uh, have floating cities illustrates what I was saying about the Earth not being overcrowded. <laughs> if we right. were really overcrowded, we use that 70% mm-hmm. of surface area. Or right. something, um, but but we don't. Um, I I think I'm going with energy. I I think that you could get people fired up about that if you spun it in the right way. Um, if people understood all the limitations that we have because of energy, and I think the thing is people just don't really understand that. And I'm not talking about you know we talk about fuel a lot, you know gasoline uh, or coal or whatever. But in in terms of, of energy, I, I think we don't understand, um, certainly here in America, uh, the the challenges of generating energy. We don't we don't actually know um, how difficult that is, and it would take some education. Um, and you know the, the the beauty of Sputnik was everybody was educated all at once, and there was a beep beep beep, and that was all the education that people needed. Uh, but I think that that could be the new frontier because it's going to usher in so many other things. Um, you know, if we really started working on true clean energy, you know, and I don't know if it's fusion or fission or or something that we haven't even thought of. I don't know what it is, but I, I think that that would break down so many barriers that uh, that would be what I would like to see the next we choose to go to the moon speech. But I don't know how you sell that. You know, I don't know how you soundbite we choose to invent cold fusion. Um, I, I I don't I honestly don't know because how because it's there right wait yeah <laughs> wait uh, hold on um but you know oftentimes the things that change the world slip in completely unnoticed like you know the the transistor you know the guy who invented the transistor barely even got a promotion <laughs> he ushered in he later got like a Nobel Prize but like forty years later. Um, right. Yeah, but at the time, it was like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> and and there's something going on right now that's on a shelf somewhere. And some some boss went, hey, that's cool. So about that TPS yep. report. Um, and and we'll, you know, we won't know yet what it is. That's why I, I say so many times, it's a great time to be alive. Mark, how much time do you spend looking at those TPS reports? <laughs> well, I, I didn't get the, the memo. Um <laughs> Uh, and I, I used the wrong cover sheet, and I'm sorry about that. Okay, are we done with that discussion? Yeah, it kind of sounds so. like we, we ran we out of steam just there. fell off. Tension span fell off. All right. 
I'm okay with that. So let's do some news. According to my friend Seth, Bulgaria loves open source. Yeah, this was a story I came across uh, on the technewsworld.com website, but Bulgaria's parliament recently passed legislation mandating open source software to bolster security as well as increase competition with commercially coded software. Now, it's kind of a narrow scope in what they're mandating, but basically any custom thing that's written for the government has to be open source. Um, So, you know, they're not saying that we're going to, you know, Ubuntu and LibreOffice, you know, still Windows and off-the-shelf software for that. But um, I just thought it was kind of cool that they're mandating that software written specifically for them uh, has to be open source. Um, And, you know, they make a quote in there that proprietary vendors use trade secrets to keep their budgets and poor quality a secret. Open source code is generally higher quality code. And, you know, I, I tend to agree with that statement and with the thought behind it. But yay, Bulgaria, pushing open source forward. Yeah, so as I'm reading this, it doesn't mean we're going to scrap all proprietary. We're not going to, to move throw windows out like uh bunic did um they went that far uh but they're just saying from this point the line must be drawn here no father so some from here on if you if you buy you sell something to the government of bulgaria it's got to be open source i you know i think it's more of a political um hand wavy thing than than it will actually do any good but okay i'm i'm yay bulgaria <laughs> well and and like i say it's not like you know, for the desktop or things like that. Right. Um, it's it's for um, the new law means whatever custom software the government procures must be visible and accessible to everyone. Right. It's basically an anti-vendor lock-in yeah, law. That's what is what this right. is. But that's good, and, and I'm all for that. That's a good thing. Yeah, I think so because you know, and if nothing else, this is going to make Bulgaria. Um look more attractive to technology companies and startup and attracting smart people into their country. Mm. Speaking of people from other countries getting in, how about the FDIC being hacked by China? That's not a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. And not so much that they were hacked. It's that they covered up the hack And one of the reasons they covered it up was so that their chairman could win confirmation approval from uh, the uh, Senate, I think. But it was just kind of... Wait, wait, um, wait, wait, wait. Politics was involved in a cover-up of wrongdoing? I'm I'm, I'm shocked. uh, This is the first time it's ever happened, and I was trying to downplay it because I didn't want to open up a can of worms to the whole worldwide thing. But yeah, Um, so you know, basically their FDIC inspector general found out when they were just doing some auditing and stuff, and it's kind of scary. They... um, they found out when investigating a data breach in 2015 that it had been repeatedly hacked between 2010 and 2013. So, you know, it had been hacked for over two years before they found out about it, and it seems like they found out about it by accident. So, And this was Social Security numbers, because you can't bank without a Social Security number, which, by the way, right. is never going to be used as an identification number. We have that promise. We have the government's yep. promise. Straight from the government, yeah. Um, and so everybody who has a bank account uh, has given their social security number away, and now uh, there's a good chance China owns it. At least forty four thousand of us. Uh, we're the That's chosen right. ones. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just ridiculous. 
Absolutely ridiculous. So uh, it happened, and and nobody knew about it for a couple of years, and then when they do did find out about it, they didn't yep. report it. That's the for me. That's a big hacking happened. Okay, that that's a big deal. Um, it took you a while to find it. I'm almost willing to forgive that. That just means the hackers were good. You found out about it and you didn't say anything. That's a problem. At least those forty four thousand people should have been notified. definitely. But honestly, at that point, what else, what what can they do? I mean, they they're going to have to redo their entire financial life, basically. Well, what you do is you offer those forty four thousand people uh, free government paid uh, credit protection, is what you do, and and you you auto, any fraud that has come up in the last two years, you automatically uh, send government paid for people to go clean that up on behalf of those people. That's that's the right thing to do, and that's pretty much what's required. If like if a regular company had a data breach like that, there would be lawsuits and stuff. But because it's the government or or a private corporation exactly. whose sole customer is the federal government, you know, basically it's a de facto government organization, right. and so that's why we're screwed. Yay in, us! In case you don't know, the FDIC, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Is uh, it was founded in the after the crash stock market crash of of twenty six was it twenty twenty nine um, uh, a few years later the uh, the government founded or, or chartered a private insurance company and they pay insurance up to I think it's two hundred thousand dollars currently per individual account uh, per bank that if that if the bank is robbed if the bank uh folds if the if if anything happens the government uh has paid for you to have uh, a $200,000 insurance policy on your money so as Seth said this is a private industry with exactly one customer uh and we all get it automatically uh just by opening an account your money is protected up to $200,000 and in 1933 $200,000 was yeah. millionaire money well, and um, it wasn't two hundred thousand. Right, back it's grown then. up. That yeah. number is grown. Uh, so, and most of us don't have more than two hundred thousand dollars in any one account. And anybody with a lot of money knows that you spread it around out around multiple accounts yeah. for that very reason, so that you can take advantage of the FDIC. So these people have, you know, hand in glove access to banking information because they have to, you know, they have to be able to do that to do their job. And so when they get when somebody walks off with a few thousand uh, social security numbers on a flash drive in their pocket, that's a, that's a problem. And when you don't tell anybody, exactly. that's a bigger problem. Uh, so tell me again why the government should be the one doing the moonshot. <laughs> I, I kind of I, I missed that. Well, but even then, you can't say even corporations should do it, because how many of those have we seen get broken into? Yeah. Uh, and... Seth put in the in the link there. Have I been pwned.com. You can enter your email address and uh, it will let you know if it has been associated with any known yep. data breach. And this is a this is a safe site. It's been uh, well vetted, and all they're doing is looking looking up your email address in well known data breach yeah. hacks. Uh, and and if it's there, um, go change some stuff. Never hurts, right? Um, I've actually, I you can actually subscribe and they'll actually email you when they detect your email address has been breached um so far i'm a i've been a part of four so that was interesting to find out 
Yeah, I, I've Woo-hoo. I've been breached a couple of times, um, and both of those uh, were uh, accounts that I don't use. You know, any information that if whatever information they got, it's a it's a password mm-hmm. that isn't anywhere else, and I don't I didn't tell them anything. But yeah. Um, if I, well, I just typed it in just now. I was, uh, the most recent, recent Patreon oh, really? I was in that dump. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I've changed my information since then because Patreon made us. That was one of the things they did. They locked out everybody's account, said, you're not getting in unless you change your password. Yeah. Get on you Patreon. That's really good for them. Uh, so, yeah. So my primary address, and I'm sure I've, I've got dozens of addresses. I'm sure they've all been pwned at some point or another. It's just a it's a sad state of affairs, but it is the state of affairs. Uh, and this next one is, uh, you know, we something that I was just talking about recently. Um, did I bring it up on this show? I don't think I did. Um, the the uh, computer downstairs in the in the office slash family room slash whatever. Um, it is a ten year old machine, at least maybe older than that. It's old. It's old. It's running Vista. Oof. Um, and I bought it, you know, brand new. Uh, you know, many a very long time ago, and I've been, I've been, uh, yeah, I, I definitely mentioned it last week. Yeah, I've been running it for a while, and I've been trying to decide whether to replace it with a computer or with a Chromebox or with a laptop. Um, and and I mentioned then that just everybody is running into the same thing I am. The only reason anybody buys a computer anymore is because one died. Uh, and you know, it turns out PCs aren't the only people uh, who are to blame for this. The uh, Apple is being hit for it uh, as well. Yes, uh, the market research firm IDC revealed that Mac sales experienced a slight dip year over year from 4.8 to 4.4 million. So, you know, it's not just people aren't buying PCs so they can buy Macs anymore. Um, They appear to not be buying as many of those either. So, yay, PC slump. What do you need a computer for anymore? You need a a smartphone and a Roku and and a tablet. Yeah, and a refrigerator. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, you need a computer, but you don't necessarily need a PC. Exactly. You need some way to access the conglomeration of resources available on the web. So, um, yeah, and it doesn't take much. You know, you can, you know, can you boot up a VM, uh, you know, Puppy Linux thin client or chubby client and uh, (laughs) access some resource over the web. It doesn't take, you know, an I-58 processor with 7,500 cores and eight petawatts of uh, power and all of that to, you know, figure out where the next Pokemon's located. And and I don't think this is a problem. This is just the maturing of the market. This is fine. Not not everybody drives, you know, a 12-cylinder V8 either. Uh, and it's not a problem. It just is. Yeah. Yeah, just just commenting there, not making any statement, <laughs> right. people. Um, and what, what I find it interesting is that uh, it took so long for Apple to be impacted by this. Uh, because, you know, Apples are a, a luxury product. They p- position themselves in that way. They, that's It's where they want to be. Uh, and, you know... A- I would think now, as the at least in, in the American globe, uh, market is recovering globally a little less so, uh, that they would be on the on the incline as people want that status symbol back. But it, it appears to be not the case. Yep. All right. Excellent commentary there, gentlemen. <laughs> so now, <laughs> Seth, tell us what happened this week in history. 
Okay, well, sticking with our spacefaring theme of this week, uh, July the 20th, 1976, the first robot, Viking 1, landed on Mars. Um, Viking 1 landed on Mars to explore the surface of the Red Planet. Um, it and its successors gave scientists their first information about the planet's surface, including information they hoped would allow people to walk there. Although the Viking probes found no evidence of life on Mars, they returned detailed pictures of the planet and information about the soil's composition. That happened this week in history, all the way back in 1976. Wow. Yeah, so we've we've been throwing rocks or, or robots at Mars for a very long time. This is not a yep. new thing. Uh, the last manned mission to the moon was 74? 72. 72, all right. So Basically, we were born and there was no reason yeah. to go back. So just four years later, when we weren't going to the moon anymore, we were throwing robots at Mars. Um, I, I think that's interesting. I do. Uh, that That Mars was the next place that we went. And actually, that would have had to be in in motion, probably parallel to the last trip to the moon. Probably. Because it mm-hmm. takes that long to get something going. Yeah, yeah just to, to re- re- resurrect that conversation a little bit, um, if we decided to go back to the moon and build a base there, and, well, let, let's go Mars, uh, because that's harder, it's... It, if we decided to go to the Mars and uh, the Mars and 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 we decided to go to the Mars and, and I said you know as a I'm the president of the world and I said we're going to be have men men on Mars in ten years and we send three successive rounds of people on trips and they don't make it there ooh does that end the space program forever that's a good question that's that's a tough question and hmm. really. I mean, I I don't think we'd actually get to three. I don't know. I think after the second one, that would be the end of it. We lost Seth. Hmm. He was going to say something super profound. Okay. He's back now. All right. Go. Oh, did we lose him again? Okay. Are you there now? We're here. Go. Okay. I... I don't think that would, you know, because then you have skin in the game. At that point, it's like we have to do it for them. Oh. So, I think, you know, in some ways... It's a remember the Alamo moment. Kind of. You know, we're not going to let their sacrifice be in vain. We have to do it now. I, I just, I think... I don't think that... That Americans, at this point, I'm being specifically speaking for Americans, I don't think we have the stomach to lose people anymore. Um, unless there's a, a reason. Uh, it's got to be a better reason mm-hmm. than because it's there. I don't know. Just my just my thought there to end the show. What do you think? How can you tell us what you think? Well, you can go to elementop.com, click the Contact Us button at the top of the page, fill out the form there after answering the world's hardest CAPTCHA, and tell me what you think. Do we, as the human race, have the will to do hard things anymore? Or are you, do you have a different view? Are you from a different country and you think that we're just a bunch of whiny Americans? And, of course, um, you could do it. China could do it. Um, Israel could do it. What, what, what do you think? Tell me uh, what you think. Um, should we shut up and stop talking about this <laughs> and never do another space show again? Uh, yeah, you could say that we're going to do it anyway because we're space geeks. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I am interested, and I hope that this generates some discussion. Uh, honestly, I really want to hear from you. Uh, go to elementop.com, click the contact us button, send us an email, element, uh, excuse me, EDL uh, at, no, EDL works, that still works, <laughs> geekrit at elementop.com. Uh, or EDL at Element OP, that still works. Um, or you can call 559-IMOP, leave us a voicemail. Uh, or you can use the Zcast app. I'm telling you, check it out. It's pretty awesome. Uh, but I do want to hear what you have to think. Um, is that is that a time gone by? Can we Are we just too busy? Are, are we more interested in Pokemon Go than in going Sad to the moon? if it is. I, 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 I think maybe we are. I think that that humanity has evolved or devolved, however you want to look at it, to the point where the we're so focused on the now that we just don't even have any concept of of the next generation. I, I, that's a sad reality that I think we are. What do you think? Elementopi.com, Let us know what you think. So, Seth, what do you have this week to lower my productivity so that you look like a better hiring option? Well, actually, this one I don't think will do it. But, you know, you've referenced and I've referenced the JFK We Choose to Go to the Moon speech. So here is the YouTube version. Um, you can tell in a couple of places where they paused or had to splice tapes together. But um, it was given at Rice University in the 60s. And um, We Choose to Go to the Moon. And if you so choose, you can listen to it. Um, cool. That's my link this week. Yeah, and I think it. I, I I am a bit of a student of presidential speeches, uh, and I think this was one of the one of the better ones. Uh, I'm not sure who wrote this one. I have to go look it up, but um, it definitely this speech. Yeah, changed the world, not the speech itself, but the program that it set in motion. Uh, this was the you know this was planned. This was something that was going to happen already, but this was the day. Um, August 27th, no, uh, what was the date? Uh, 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 1962, September 12th, 1962. Um, yeah. Th- this changed the world. Not a lot of presidential speeches changed the world. This one did. Yeah, there was one cool thing in there. He's talking about, you know, and going through will result in and heat almost half the temperature of the sun um and it's like almost as hot as it is here today yeah so this was given at houston at rice university um in in texas summer so you had a humid texas summer uh he is he is standing at the podium in a suit giving a speech i mean he gets cred for doing that in in a time Um, where men wore mm three-piece wool suits in the summer yep yeah, LBJ behind him looks like he may burst into flames. I think he kind of did later. <laughs> yep, you can see him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right, that that's it. I'm going to call it. The show is over. Time of death, whatever time it is now, 9.05 p.m. July 17th, 2016. Thanks for hanging out with us. Listen, YouTube people, uh, thanks for watching. Chris, Seth, as always, thank you for being the best host I can afford on what I pay you. And uh, we'll see you next week because that ends this episode of The Geek Rant.